Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In today's episode, Antoine and I sit down with Civil War and Brett Stowe, the owner of Gilded Fetish, to talk about if fetish is just drag. We talk about the performative aspect of fetish, utilizing gear to express an inner persona, and you might even learn if I ever got fisted on stage before. Please enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Recon Podcast. It is the season finale, 12 episodes. Can you believe it, Antoine? Antoine is joining me today. I'm Matt Sandy. Welcome to our season finale podcast. We've done 12 episodes. It's been one a month, which means that we've been doing this for a year. Today, we are talking about whether fetish is just drag. Um, It's something that... So, I should also say, oh God. (laughs) I'm so nervous about saying this, but... This is the season finale, and it's also my last um, podcast as a member of Team Recon. Tears, tears. Even on a jet plane. No, that's not the word, right words. What's on that midnight train to Georgia? I'm leaving. Because I know Boris ain't letting you on no plane, girl, anytime soon. Oh, I wish. But no, um, yeah, it's been eight long years of me being at Recon, and it's time for me to do something else take some time and figure out what I want to do. But I'm very excited for the last episode from me anyway, um, because we have some really good guests and we have a really interesting topic. So it's going to be really fun and I'm not going to cry. I'm going to be brave. <laughs> pull your big girl pants. I'm going to pull up my big girl pants. But if my voice cracks at any point, it's because I'm, I know that it's coming to the end. It's fine. Um, okay, look, in the eight long years that I've been at Recom, I think I've spoken, spoken about this before. Like one of the things that really helped me understand, you know, the scene and fetish and kink was the idea that we're just kind of taking on these personas because I think I've spoken about this before, like before I joined Recon, I didn't really have that much of an interaction to the fetish scene. Like my boyfriend at the time, um, an ex-boyfriend of mine, sorry, um, basically introduced me to kink because he used to, you know, gear up on camera and, flaunt his like rubber about you know who i'm talking about and flaunt his ways yes exactly so i never has jewelry i never really got involved but like i appreciated (laughs) it for what it was and i let him get on with it really but the thing that kind of made me feel more comfortable about you know showing myself more in gear like on my social media and sharing my experiences was definitely you know this idea that it's just drag and that actually people are just dressing up it's just it's just dressing up how about you Anton? i think for i think it's very easy to assume this at the onset you know for the normal um non-fetish or non-kinky person you know i can recall going out so you know someone says oh my god i love your costume and they don't mm-hmm. think of the gear in another kind of fetish sense and about yeah. that kind of kinky personality or adopting that personality sense for them it's you know, it's like fancy dress. So I think, you know, the the outsider, it's very easy for them to assume, you know, if they look at us, yeah, we're in a costume, we're in fancy dress. So for them, that's really what it is. Yeah. So the origins of this topic actually started from um, our femme episode featuring Tish, who brought up... Um, how camp actually the leather community is he, oh, he d- his word not mine he said camp and then we just and had, they we are had- camp though they can't escape it i, I mean, mean the leather queens are camp <laughs> I mean, 
as we all know, as as butchers, they try to pretend to be as mask for mask as they like to be. I mean, you throw some Beyonce on and what happens? All their hands go in the air and they start pitching and jumping. There is campus Christmas. It's fine. Yeah, it's we true. Know it. It's true. And I think that often camp gets this bad rep as being kind of maybe like prissy, but actually camp is just, you know, an extreme of anything. Um, and, you know, hyper-masculinity, which is rife in the leather community and the kink community, it's it's camp. So we're it's here to- definitely di- a form of camp. Yeah, for sure. I think so anyway. But look, we're here to discuss it. Um, so I'm going to introduce my first guest, our first guest, sorry, I should say, a real life drag queen. But not only a real life drag queen, my best friend, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else in between, Civil War. Hey, girl. Hi, hey. Hi. <laughs> How now you I'm doing? On the, I'm on the Recon podcast. <laughs> Did you ever think you would ever make it? <laughs> I, this is my this is my drag race. Listeners, you can't see what we can see, but our lovely guest Sybil is sitting in front of the camera with a shelf laden with wigs behind. <laughs> I promise you, I'm also in full drag. <laughs> <laughs> you look so pretty. Yeah, I'm just, I'm like, there's, I'm wearing eight wigs. <laughs> wigs on wigs on wigs. 14 pairs of lashes. I'm fully bodied and corseted. <laughs> okay, lady bunny. <laughs> <laughs> full heels, the full geesh. The whole thing. Okay, so Sybil, for the people at home, um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, your drag, and your fetish experiences. Sure. Um, So I have been doing drag now for, Christ on a bike, uh, (laughs) since 2013, which is a terrifyingly long time, considering that most people realized that drag was only a thing circa 2016. Right. Thanks, RuPaul. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I've been doing drag uh, for quite a while now. Um, and I, re- I really got into it because I've always enjoyed dressing up, um, which I think a lot of people do. Um, and there aren't that many accessible ways to dress up as an adult. Like you have Christmas or you have fun- oh, Christmas, I mean, Halloween, gay Christmas. Uh, <laughs> you have Halloween or you have fancy dress parties, but other than that, there wasn't really like fancy dress or dressing up or uh, an outlet of creativity wasn't really that accessible. So drag was starting to become more of a mainstream thing. That's something that I've always been interested in ever since I was, uh, ever since I was probably about six years old and I saw two Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar for the very first time. My God. Um, right. Maxima Jackson. Obsessed. <laughs> AKA Obsessed. Antoine. <laughs> AKA Antoine. <laughs> Call me Adi Noxie. It's totally fine. I'll take it. <laughs> um so yeah so i just i just started um playing around with dressing up and playing up with drag um and it's interesting that you talked about like the personality uh sorry the the persona thing because i've when i first started dabbling in drag i started to like try and figure out a character that my drag persona would be um and i tried on all these different kind of like inflections of voice and kind of trying to take on more of a character but as I explored drag and explored what my drag aesthetic was and where I found the most joy in drag, like part of it became more part of me. And now the lines between where Mark starts and Sybil starts and where they end is completely blurred. Um, and I think 
had I not, how much joy I get out of that situation, I think, had I not found drag, I can totally imagine myself having gone down more of the fetish route. Um, fetish for me has been more of a dabble and a dalliance. She, she dabbles um, it. She dabbles, she dabbles in the dark hearts. <laughs> she dabbles in the dark hearts. <laughs> really naughty. It sounds um, totally naughty. She dabbles in the dark arts. Uh, she... Well, no, he, I. Uh, <laughs> Look, I've seen Mark do, Mark, this is, yeah, Mark. Yeah, me. I've seen you do things in a dark room before. So I know that you've dabbled in a dark room. This is true. I ha- also have a number where I uh, fist someone on stage. Oh, so yeah. Very much my thing. <laughs> I have, Sandy, unfortunately, wouldn't let me fist him completely on stage. So I have faux fisted Sandy on yeah, stage. Yeah, it was a moment. It was a moment. Just like, um, a, just like a pinky finger. Oh no, guy! My whole arm was covered in Crisco. Yeah, <laughs> and I just had him bent over, strategically placed on stage, where yeah. I could slide my hand between his legs and all the way like up under his shirt, so it looked yeah. like I was shoulder deep. Yeah, and um, I just made the faces like, "Oh, isn't it so hard that I'm having a fist up me?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so yeah, like I'm I'm into fisting and I'm into kind of dom subplay and some like bondage and stuff like that. So that's really where my fetish has gone in. And I've never really been too much into the gear side of fetish apart from where it intersects with my drag. And that's really where my drag and fetish start to cross over is I really like in, I'm a six foot five, well-built, hairy uh, male identifying human and uh i'm not interested in portraying a full female illusion so i really find joy in drag where at the intersection between masculinity and femininity and playing with the the heightened versions of those and fetish has always been my go-to with how to hyper masculine like how to play with masculinity at a hyper exaggerated level where crazy high heels and big wigs and makeup and hair and specifically corsetry is where i've kind of played with the the heightened ideals of femininity with body shape so bringing those two together has allowed sybil as a character and me as mark to kind of bring those two ideals of uh, what people perceive as hyper masculine and what people perceive as hyper feminine and really mix them up together can you think of maybe when that first actually happened? Was it maybe after going to your first fetish bar, maybe having a fetish darkroom experience or your first fetish event where you thought, I really like this fetish thing and let me see how I can incorporate that. Or, you know, let me see where, where my crossover actually begins. Was it something that maybe was innate and you thought, you know, now I'm dragged up, I can actually bring my kink out as well. I can tell you exactly where that happened. <laughs> and, and the two people on this call who work for Recon are <laughs> part of that reason. We're responsible! Yay! Yay! <laughs> Both Antoine and Sat. I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. Yes, tell uh, it! <laughs> uh, I was living in New York, uh, and that's really where I started exploring drag and, and where like my drag really became, Civil War became a thing. Um, and I was preparing to move back to the United Kingdom. And uh, as part of that, you lovely people were in San Francisco setting up for Folsom. Yeah. Do you remember when we used to do that awesome party in, uh, during Folsom San Francisco? Yeah. I for the, remember. For the yeah. opening 
par- on the opening night on the Friday night. Yeah. My um, God. We were staying at the Americania. Oh my God, I love that. We were staying at the Best Western Americania. Uh, I love that Antoine remembers these random pieces of information, but go on. I had sex in that hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad someone did. (laughs) And uh, I, it was my last week in New York, and I was out every single night and had. Been out on the Friday night. The Thursday night was my final show. And I was like, I'm going to be sensible. It'll be fine. Everything will be great. Uh, of course, I got completely off my face. It never is sensible. Was out until 6 a.m. Note to self, my flight is at 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> so I get back to my house, get out, get changed, haven't been to bed, uh, get to the airport, pack my bag, get to the airport, fly to San Francisco, where I come immediately to meet you guys and help set up the party, yeah. having not been to bed. Because he is a friend to the motherfucking end. <laughs> I then realized I had absolutely no fetish gear with me. So went to Mr. S., uh, and was like, right, I need to buy something, which was obviously carnage on the Friday of uh, Folsom. People buying cock rings and having them tried on in the like thing. I that was an experience. Like, it's like Ollivander's wand shop from <laughs> Harry Potter. Like a guy just whips his dick out, and someone behind the counter is like, oh, maybe the two and a half stainless steel for you, sir. <laughs> I'm so glad we can bring because, people to these experiences. Because that's really exactly happy. what it's like. <laughs> everyone, and everyone goes, ooh, the dick is and so then they, big. They try it on and they're like, oh no, that pinches you. Like, oh no, no, maybe the silicone for you then, sir. <laughs> um, so I ended up buying two harnesses, uh, some sports, uh, some like Lycra American football uh, leggings, some like socks and like a couple of wristbands all sorts of things because you went in i hadn't been to bed and i felt like i needed looks for the weekend um i then went and met a friend for lunch where i ate a burrito foolish foolish mistake (laughs) before a sex party yeah foolish mistake that was foolish mistake that was uh so needless to say, I wasn't bottoming that night. Um, but I then went uh, to um, said party and had a wonderful time. My first major darkroom experiences, dressed in fetish, really immersing myself. I got flogged. I got to flog someone. It was lovely. Um, but I really felt empowered wearing the gear. And it really kind of shifted your mindset into this kind of like, oh, it's all like the harnesses hold you in a different way and like change your posture in the same way that heels do and there's this other it all started to click in my head um so i had a lovely time uh and then mistake of being friends with the people running the party is that then (laughs) having now not been to bed for possibly 36 hours at this point uh and having had sex for a while a few hours and all of this i then had to help you break down the party yeah uh, a, a true friend. I, because I repeat, you are a friend to the motherfucking end. All I, will say, the party. <laughs> All I will say is carrying chain link fences out of a venue while stepping over condoms and piles of cum and lube, <laughs> trying not to slip, was on 36 hours sleep, on a come down and drunk, was yeah. not my proudest moment. But needless to say, the rest of the weekend was fabulous. I made some amazing friends. Uh, and it was on. It was after that that I was like, ooh, 
like I'm I I really enjoy corsetry and that kind of like slightly uncomfortable in the same way that a lot of fetish gear and kind of bondage um yeah. play kind of intersects yeah. there. And then that's really where the point was I was like, actually, I can see how this wearing of fetish gear moves me into the same sort of mindset as being in drag. And actually, how can I start? I don't want to become just this kind of hyper-feminized glamazon. And I don't really want to become this kind of hyper-masculine, fetishized Tom of Finland wannabe. So actually, how can I play with both of these and start bringing them together? And and a lot of my drag now plays on possibly one of the other places where we see kind of fetish and fashion intersect, which is kind of metal, 80s metal and heavy metal and kind of that rock sensibility of like chains and whips and all of that. So there's this real kind of amalgamation of kind of fetish and rock and kind of hyper-feminization of, of body shape through corsetry and, and high heels. I'm really glad that we gave that to you. But You did! Look, we have, guys, another guest. So today you've got the pleasure of two guests, not just one, yes. two, because it's the season finale. It's my last episode. And I said, I want two guests. I want to make it fun. So <clears throat> I'm going to introduce to you Mr. Brett Stowe, um, the CEO, head bitch of charge, designer of Gilded Fetish. Hello, hello, Brandy hello. Bitch. It's hey. Brittany Bitch. Hi. I, have, I haven't seen you in so long. This beard I as know. well. I know. I think the last time I saw you was what our little barbecue after our civil partnership. Where yes. we all put up the gazebo in the rain and I was just wearing a ball gown of jock strap and heels. <laughs> yes, yes, that, yes was yeah, yeah. that was the one. I do think that was the one. Yes, that was, it was the, one. the last time that and I then, saw you. Then Matt did an interpretive dance with potato salad. That was the time. Oh Lord! Oh Lordy God! Lord. Yes. That was that was that was messy. Oh, it's only precisely this weekend gone. Just two years ago. Oh so. wow! Happy anniversary! Oh, thank you very much. Wow! 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 Thank you very much. So. Brett, we brought you on. You are, I'm going to, I kind of like your title as head bitch, head bitch in charge. I'm going to change the business cards right now. Thank you. Um, of, <laughs> of Gilded Fetish. Um, what I love about you guys have, you, you guys, you've made us, you know, Team Recon, you, you have made us some fabulous harnesses for, uh, that we wore for Pride in 2019. I think yeah. it was, was it 19? Yeah, yeah it, it was. was in Pride, yes. 2019. Those lovely, big, those lovely big red ones. Yeah, that was the year that basically... And they were a hit. They yeah, were they were. They were so lovely. I loved them and we looked really good as a team. And you were wearing your big red, you were wearing your big red Adidas skirt, I think, as well. Yes, because that was yes. the year, that was the year that basically, well... I mean, every year there's controversy about whether kink should be part of Pride, but that year it got really heated. Mm. So I was like, well, and then, and there was something about that kink wasn't supposed to be there. Don't show your ass. And there was something within the kink community about like being like femme shaming. So I basically rolled everything into one. I'm just like, Pull out all the stops. Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> um, Eat it I'm going, I'm going in a skirt. Underneath my skirt, I'm going to be wearing a jockstrap. So I sit on the ground. My hoop will be exposed. Yeah. She showed us everything. Yeah. Her literally. hoop was, ladies and gentlemen, was her out. hoop was out on was Regent out. Street. It was yeah. out. And I made sure that I lifted up my skirt so everyone could see it. Yeah. No, that was gorgeous. Wink, wink. 
Thank Wait. you. It was gorgeous. My ho- my hoop is gorgeous. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Gilded Fetish, you you make some really amazing gear. And I think what's really lovely about what you do is you often use unconventional, like I, when I say unconventional, I mean, you know, things that aren't necessarily synonymous mm. with the with the scene, but also the colors that you use aren't really synonymous with the scene, but you're making this really interesting gear. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, Gilded Fetish, what you do, and also your own fetish experiences as well? Well, actually, to put it all into perspective, I'm going to start at the end. Go for it. Because I, as a 40-something-year-old man, <laughs> I, <laughs> I came to the whole world of fetish and kink quite late, never having really felt like it was, it was going to be something I ever wanted to do. I would never declare myself as a fetishist. I coyly describe myself as not a fetishist, but I have a bucket of kinks. There's many things I like to do and play with and whatever the mood may take me, but I've never been, you know, fully into any one scene. Um, Some of you may know my partner, Twisted Jock. Um, (laughs) Some some of you, you I don't know why you just casually dropped that in. Some of you may know that. Some of you may know. I know when we both started, he definitely started exploring the more kink and fetish and leather scene before I did. But then I, you know, as a supporting partner and you're like, oh, I'm going to get involved in this. But I was actually a bit disenchanted with what was available. Okay. Having And having been someone who's always had three sewing machines and a workroom and constructing and making fun stuff. I don't think I've ever bought a fancy dress outfit. It's always been made and constructed. It was like, I can, I can do better than this. Right. Not as noise, not as in to say better quality of production or anything, but why does it all have to be black? Why yes. is it got to be black? <laughs> I don't know. Be black? No, no, well, 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 there are arguments for it, but I will come I, on to yeah, that a little bit later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I started Gilded Fetish was born out of, um, I'm an interesting person and I can't be the only one who says, but I want to be a part of this, but I don't want, I don't find myself to be as it were a hyper-masculine black meerkat wearing leather daddy. I'm not. Mm. I like my, I like my painted fingernails. Mm. I, you know, I like everything about me and I like gold. So I bought a raft of gold leather, a couple of hides of it. And I started playing and making, and we came up with a couple of products made out of gold leather. Yeah. And uh, that was just on Instagram and stuff. And uh, people were really, really interested. And so Gilded Fetish was born out of my personal journey to say, I want to be a part of this, but I want to be more interesting, not necessarily to overshadow other people, just because I know that's who I am. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've, I mean, I, I really should be recording this in my workroom. So just this crew here could see. I mean, Sandy and Antoine have both been I, yeah, into my I've workroom. It. Yeah. it is carnage of leather and feathers and harnesses and hats. And it's, it's an Aladdin's tr- cave, a treasure trove of creativity. And that's why, that's where I like to get involved. One of the things I really love is when I see you out, you know, I mean, you're often out in full gear and heels. I've seen you out in gear and feathers. And I love that you so openly blend complete unconventional fabrics and the styles together to create your own thing. And you have a really fantastic time. And I think this is a really blending of, you know, I think when people look, you know, they might say, well, I mean, knowing you, I would say you're, you're definitely not a drag queen. You're just 
Britney, bitch, and you That's just it. express yourself <laughs> never, in a I've way. I've never, ever been claimed to be a drag queen, but Lord knows yeah. I like a nice ball gown and a corset, as Mark has said. But I remember my absolute favourite um, recon full fetish party, I think, was possibly Christmas a few years ago. Maybe it was the summer one. I'm not sure. But I wore nothing but black leather corset, um, black jock strap, and 15-inch stiletto boots. Yeah, I remember that. I remember it well. Walking re- through, it was like the Red Sea it was, parting. It, it, yes, it, it was very that. It was it was just like click, 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 click. And you were just and like bumbling usually, along. And usually because I'm a I'm only 5'8 or 5'9 or something, it was quite nice to be like six foot average and you know be able to see the tops of people's heads <laughs> and stuff. And it was quite an empowering moment for me to just going, no, I've got it. And there were some I there weren't people weren't openly mean like i know they were like everyone was so, most the majority of people were so supportive but there were a couple of like snide comments like yeah. oh, like what's he doing here what is he wearing and i just have to say to myself like come the end of the evening come 2 a.m i know i've sucked more dick than all of you so <laughs> just get out <laughs> i never get any when i'm working it's not a competition but i've definitely won but i've definitely won <laughs> <laughs> check your privilege check your leather privilege at the door thank you very much do you know it's really funny because you talk about that more and more people have come to our events over the years like wearing um wearing heels wearing corsets and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and actually you know it was one of the things that it for 2020 if we did fetish week one of my looks was going to be like a healed corset kind of thing because you know i like to prepare looks for the runway Mm -hmm. years in advance advance. (laughs) it's basically my met gala (laughs) (laughs) but yeah when i was i was thinking in my head because i think 2019 i wore like a skirt but it was very kind of like um, it was more kind of like Mortal Kombat inspired. Than was that in- the black and red latex one? Yeah. Mm. And I just wanted to push it a little bit further in 2020 mm. and do something that was a bit more latex, like like a pin- pencil skirt with some heels or something like that. <gasps> that would have like been a, a gag. Because I just felt like, I felt like, I mean, I understand in my position that, you know, representation mm. and showing diversity is kind of really important. And I feel like, you know, I should be at the forefront of doing it as well so that other people feel encouraged to, to also do the same. Um, and it was actually, um, it was Anthony that came to one of our parties and he was wearing suspenders and stuff like that. And I, and oh, he, sissy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And, he, and he inspired me and I was like, oh, I should do that so that people also feel more inspired. So, totally. yeah, I, I, I loved you for that, honestly. Um, oh, thanks. So, guys, what is your definition of drag. Let's just try and get this down before we even start going into whether we think fetish is drag. Mark, Sybil. Sybil. Hi, Sybil. Hi. What do you, what, what, what's your definition of drag? Because I know that it's obviously changed over the years, but like for you today now, what do you determine drag to be? I think drag is whatever the person performing it is choosing it to be. There are conventions that and conventional ways of understanding that society kind of puts onto what drag should be. But drag can be anything that you want it to be. I was actually Googling and I was like, what does, <laughs> what does Wikipedia say? Webster's um, definition of drag is. <laughs> exactly. What does the what does the modern day Encarta 95 say? Um, <laughs> 
Wikipedia under drag clothing has refers to uh, the performance of masculinity, femininity, or any other form of gender expression. And I think that basically sums up for me uh, what drag is. It's the performance of masculinity, femininity, or any form of gender expression and how you choose to perform that as an art form mm. is what drag is. What about you, Brett? What do you think? Well, I have never, ever, ever claimed to be a drag queen. Many of nights, if you've ever seen me in the Royal Vauxhall Tavern with makeup on and high heels, I'm not, yeah. the, an- I'm not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the answer. She is the moment. But she you is will the moment. not see your photo next to the definition. Right. No, 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 not, yeah. But, but I suppose, what, then, okay, then maybe not what's your definition what, of it, but what's your perception of it then? As as Mark described there, and I I hate to be the I hate to be the queen who wants to quote RuPaul because there are far more important drag queens out there. But Ru's always said that drag is punk rock, and I think that's something we can all accept. That drag was always it's breaking conventions, it's being different, it's being revolutionary, and it is making people look and think and go, hmm, why is that boy wearing a dress? Actually, no, it should be okay. That's fine, and so I think that taps in. It taps into a lot of what we're what we're talking about. Is that supposed to be unconventional? But then yet again, exposing something that is within you is what I've always, always felt. Like I wouldn't if I, as I said, I'm not a drag queen. But when I dress up, you stand in front of your stand in front of your array of clothes and wigs and outfits and think, who do I want to be today? Yeah. How do I feel? Yeah. 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 <laughs> was that Siri? That was Siri, the witch. I couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't even answer it. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a wonderful line from Ab Fab. Mo Chrysalis says, um, well, what does God want me to be today? And, yeah. I, or, and I love that. And I yeah, love that's that. cute. I that's think, cute. you know, when I was in my very early teens, sorry, my late teens rather, was my first time dressing in drag in public. I saw my first drag show when I was 18, back in 1989. Um, I was two. I was two. Nobody asked you. Nobody asked you. I was one, and I probably saw my first drag show about the same time. (laughs) Children are to be seen and not heard. Please sit in the corner and keep quiet. Okay. (laughs) Yes, mum. Yes, mummy. And I don't, I think... Back then, it was the only impression I had was purely just this visual aspect when I first saw the drag show. And I only had that visual understanding of what drag was. And I don't think it was until, like, I was a professional dancer for over 25 years, a teacher, choreographer, and something else. And, of course, coming into kink, you then also start to realize that when you dress up, no matter what it is you're wearing, it does change your personality a bit. Mm. When you're not in, you know, whatever the everyday you is. But I mean, even your everyday you could could be a form of drag. If it empowers you to feel a certain way when you are dressed, you could just be wearing, like I'm. people say, I'm in my everyday drag, you know? Yes. And that is whatever your everyday thing is that makes you feel empowered or strong or lifted or energized. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. I, I I feel like I'm really into just people's personal style. And for me, dressing up in the morning gives me like confidence to go out 
to the into the day and it and it does you know if i'm wearing a cape for example because you know she loves a cape it she gives love me, a cape. i do love a cape she it, it 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 makes me stand differently it makes me walk differently it makes me you know just just be that that persona so for me it, drag is not necessarily about dressing up but it's about embodying a persona um and i think that we're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet yeah more or less. i think so yeah so Let's oh hand up. I didn't want to talk about you for a sound, for a <laughs> Go sound, on. For a sound bite. Go but on. Surely it could be compared just to separate it from the conversation ever so slightly, but we only have to think about like power dressing, like in the 80s, businesswoman yes. going to her office, shoulder pads, heels, hair done up in a tight bun, bitchy attitude, because she knows she's in charge. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with presenting an attitude of who you want to be or who you believe you should be in every facet. It's yeah. not just for what we do now in our entertainment sphere of our lives. Totally agree. And part of that, sorry, part of that 80s power dressing for women was because part of the men's style became a lot more relaxed. So by creating much more structured and it was emulating that masculinity to be like, no, I am, I'm serious. I'm a, I'm a boardroom bitch. Like I am to be taken seriously and I'm going to dress as such because it gives me that visual impact. And, and to exactly, I totally agree with you, Brett. But I think that we're now bordering on the reason why maybe the fetish community gets pressed and plucked about being referred to as drag. But let's take a quick break and we'll come back to that. Again. (sighs) Next door, having all the fun again. Get yourself off and get even with Regulation. We're the UK's premier destination for fetish gear, sex toys and restraints. Gear up with a wide range of rubber, leather and sportswear, including many styles ready to ship next day. Maybe it's bondage, chastity, pop play, pain, pleasure or a bit of both. Whatever interests you, you'll find what you need in our 10,000 strong catalogue of kink. Regulation for whatever you're into. Shop online at regulation.co.uk. Just better warn the neighbours. Okay, welcome back. Um, okay, before the break, we were talking about, well, I felt like it was going in the direction of talking a lot about drag in terms of femininity. And I feel like the reason why the fetish community doesn't like the term drag being associated with what we do is in part to do with the hyper-masculinity aspect of fetish and kink, but also that for a lot of people, it's not a performative thing. It's not them playing dress up. It's not them, you know, embodying a character. It's like a serious thing. It's a lifestyle. It's, you know, it's to be taken seriously. So amongst all of us, I want to really talk about this because it's clear that they all, they both have similarities, right? They both have these things that cross over each other, but I feel like there's a departure between people that regard fetish as a lifestyle versus the more theatrical side of fetish, the more kind of like gearing up to go to a, to a party and just to kind of like present a look. Um, so 
Like, well, Anton, you've been you've been in the business for a very long well, time, and you've I mean, seen it. You've seen all the changes that have happened. It's it's really quite interesting because coming from a theatre background, mm. um, it was when I interviewed for the job. It was one of the questions that I was asked was, you know, if I had a problem, um, you know, wearing fetish gear, and I remember so well that my response was no, because I've spent basically at this point, 25 years, dressing up and adopting another personality. And that was my perception at the time of, you know, a fetish, a fetish care. It really, in my mind, was, um, it did have this theatricality to it. And that's probably because I didn't know it in any other way. That's, again, looking from the outside in um, before I really got into it and understood that there were so many varying levels to what that definition of, if I dare say, fetish drag could actually be. Mm. Um, And I still think even this many years on, when I'm dressing up, there is still an element of theatricality to it. Um, We know it's very much about the look and how you feel, you know, and when we talked about characters and personalities and uh, imagery, um, this is all theater, yeah, you know, so I think even though that you know that people have this in their everyday life, or it may be a part of their everyday lifestyle, I don't think it's possible to really escape um, the theatrical aspect of getting up in the morning and getting into your gear if that's what you do every day. Um, yeah, I and agree. how and how you're going to behave when you're outside. Yeah, I agree, and I think that I think that both of them have quite. Um, interesting rituals in terms of getting ready. So, you know, for a drag queen, maybe it's putting on, you know, a face full of makeup. For a rubber boy, it's, you know, slathering himself in lube in order to slide into his catsuit. But I wonder if maybe once they reach their final destinations, that's where they kind of part ways, i.e., a drag queen kind of goes on a stage and performs, but then a fetish person does something very different. Mm, I'm not so sure. I think that performance really continues because as long as you're in that gear, or especially, let's say, in the going out to an event, if you're out at an event for eight hours, you're in that character mode, potentially, if I could ever say it, describe it like this, you're feeling that empowered state that you're in, that you get out of dressing up that whole time that you're out. So you're constantly on stage. And I think the fact that we would even go back to say that when people say, you know, I put this on, it empowers me. It makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel like a character. Then it is very theatrical because when you go home and you get out of your gear, what happens with that character that you've just been with for the past eight hours? Where are you putting that character? Who has now stepped out of the gear? Yeah, for you know? sure. So who is the real you? Yeah, I think drag for me isn't sexual. And I think there's a real differentiation there. But the being in drag, I want to feel sexy. And I make clothing choices and 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 makeup choices and, and, and appearance choices based on what makes me feel powerful and makes me feel sexy when I'm in drag. I don't want it to lead to sex, um, which I think in fetish quite often, that's the direction that you want to do it because you're, you're doing it for, a, it's performative for arousal. Um, and both of those things are, you're, when, when I'm getting in drag, when I'm at home, I'm Mark. 
And there's definitely a process as I'm getting ready where I tip over from being Mark to being Sybil. And then like, I'm now in that state of mind that I feel sexy, I feel empowered, I feel feminine. Um, and that's really where that process of getting ready is about shifting that mindset into the mindset I want to be in for the rest of the night. And I think if you think about getting ready to go out to a fetish event or especially from an event perspective or even a sex party or anything along those lines, you're going through that same process. And thinking about recon specifically, so much of the fetish community is known by handles. You're known by your fetish name, your recon name. And it's that same thing. When you're out and about, people are perceiving you from what they've seen of you online or the interactions they've seen of you through the lens of fetish. So you're playing that role when you're out. Yes, when you get home and you take that off or when you get into a sexual situation with someone, that stuff falls away, depending on what your fetish is and how you're playing those roles. But I definitely think there's a parallel there. Mm. It's it's not necessarily about the act of getting uh, or the act of what these drag, but the mental state that both of these processes get you in. They have different endpoints, but it's I definitely see a parallel there. So drag isn't just the gear; it's also the thought behind or the afterthought of when you're actually in the gear. Where does your gear take you? What headspace exactly. are you in? So why do we think then, because I think that may be what I'm getting, I, I agree with everyone, by the way, what I think I'm trying to get at is it feels like maybe performative or performance is a dirty word in in fetish, kind of, mm -hmm. kind of to say that you're playing pretend. I mean, I know that we're, because I know that obviously people assume roles roles in the community is you know it's, it's it's part of it but i think to say that you're playing pretend is where maybe people get a bit like no i think it's, it's fantasy it's sorry go on sorry it's yeah it probably is a bit unfair to say dressing up or performative because so many of the kingsters i know and we all know take their fetish through them through their daily life whether you be locked in a cage or wearing your rubber under your work suit or, you know, as simple as a jockstrap and socks with rude words with them at work, that's something you can keep with you throughout the day. And, it, you know, even keeping that little secret to yourself is still telling yourself that you have something, there's more to you. Whereas for queens, drag queens, dressing up, you know, the makeup comes off unless you are living your life as a woman daily, but then that's not being a drag queen. Then you then you have you have different facets to that. But I would add to that: being a drag queen is part of my identity now. Mm -hmm. And in, I think in the same way, like I don't necessarily wear heels during the day, but like I paint my nails. And there is definitely aspects of the femininity of drag that have come into my day to day being. And I think that's again a parallel. Um, sure. I think really um, um, a question I wanted to ask you, Brett, is when, as someone who creates um, uh, clothing for the fetish community, when you have clients who come to you for, for kind of a custom build, what is the process of that? Like, is there a thought process? Is it just like, oh, I want a red harness? Or is there like a thought process that goes into the reasoning why they want a, something more custom? 
Well, if it's not custom, I have a whole range of stuff that's all catalogued and websites and Instagrams, and people come to me primarily for stuff they've seen online and want to and are able to buy. Most of my customers I don't actually interact with on a conversational basis. It is like, oh, thank you for the great product. It's going to look great. I'll send you some pictures. I'm like, oh, that's awesome because we've got it online. When we do do custom stuff, it's 50% of the entire transaction is conversation. Like before we even start talking about what type of leather do you want? What buckles do you want? It's like, what are you wearing this for? Is this to be swung around a dark room or is this to look great? Are you going to a party? Are you going to daddy issues? Are you going to this or are you going to the hoist? Where are you going? What's your mood? What do you think your mood will be? Why are you buying this? And then you get conversations and they'll bring in their boyfriends and so I'm not sure. And then of course you get a second opinion and a third opinion. And then we can construct construct an idea of what we want to do. Now I'm not making high, high fashion fetish wear. I think my next stage will be corsetry because it is so fantastically interesting. But that interests me more as a creator rather than someone working in the leather and fetish community. That's me, that's me wanting to learn a new skill set. Um, but again, people ask me all the time, oh, do you do you make jock straps? Do you make corsets? Do you make complete bodysuits? I'm like, I could. It would be very expensive. Why don't you speak to my friends XXX here who are more skilled? So most of it's conversation. It takes a long time to talk and discuss. And invariably, sometimes I do I do send people away because, you know, um, Fetish Daddy Gear doing some wonderful stuff with latex and leather and customized pieces. And I absolutely love that for them. For me, I do a lot more. I have a big part of my work is it's not mass production. I produce because I can sell at volume of a really good product. And my customized, my custom pieces are fewer and fewer because custom pieces are expensive. And it's expensive in time and materials and effort on both parties. Cause I'll be like, what do you think of this? Oh no, can we try it in a different color? What do you think of this? Oh no, can we try it a size larger? What do you think of this? And sometimes you're like, yeah, for, for, for gilded fetish, that's not precisely what we do, but when we do, it's, it's mostly conversation. The more we talk about this, the more I start to think about my own personal, um, if I would ever call it my, my fetish drag. Um, you know, I think about, uh, people always say to me, where do you get your gear from? And it's definitely like, I think my number one fetish is probably my gear comes before just about anything else. And I know this and I admit it, wait, as in the, as in the look. Yeah, well, it's, it's two things combined. Okay. It's the look. And it's also about how not just the look, but when I'm dressed, how it makes me feel, how it empowers mm. me, how it changes or shifts my personality. You know, Brett, you mentioned earlier about being five foot eight. I'm the same. I'm five foot eight. And as far as a lot of people are concerned, I'm a little shorty. Mm. But let me tell you. Then what am I? When I'm Yeah. You know, when I pass around party bottom. You're a pocket gay. You know, when, I, when I'm dressed in some of my most favorite things, I feel 10 feet tall, you know, because I feel really lifted. I feel like, okay, this thing, and especially a lot of my gear, especially my rubber, has been made 
a lot of my mm. rubber is not off the shelf. And I think that, oh, so off. <laughs> well, it's it's also because I realize the feeling that comes with having something which is unique just to me. Yes. This gives me that other kind of feeling or that lift. And this gives me a special kind of power, especially knowing like this was made for me. Mm-hmm. Like immediately my boots lifted me up another three inches. You know, no one else is wearing this. I'm another three inches taller. My chest is up. My hair is back. And this is where you see when people are out and they're dressed, the persona starts to come, the change in their attitude, the change in their behavior starts to come in. And I think a lot of people, maybe they don't think about it so deeply, but this is the same thing that happens with drag. You know, you dressed in, or let's say in in feminine drag, you know, when, when drag queens are getting done and getting dressed, it's... I can understand that getting dressed, the makeup, the wig, the heels, all that ritual is lifting them up so that when they feel ready, I mean, you kick the door open like some power bitch from hell. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of these even are super hyper-masculine fetish guys come out. And we then probably get this term hyper-masculine because their masculinity is even more heightened when they're in their bluff gear or their full leather gear Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that they're wearing. So... I think we can't, we cannot separate the two things. And I think this is where the crossover and the confusion very often comes. I love that you mentioned bluff. I'm I'm sorry if I get shut. Bluff is high drag. <laughs> and you can and you can come for me in the comments. You can come for me in the comments. I've got my gloves, I've got my hat, I've got my jacket. <laughs> like head to toe, leather on leather with the like. Who's got the biggest cigar and like <laughs> the perfectly coiffed facial hair? Yeah, like, that shit is drag. Oh, look, I've, oh, I've got my new little blue handkerchief. Do you like it? Oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> you all know, you all know, you're not just getting dressed up in the house just to wander right. around your bluff gear. You are getting oh. dressed up to go into the club to be seen and to be like, you've got your badge number exactly and admired, and you're mm. looking for your subs, and it's this whole persona and whether it's whether you think of it as high masculine high masculine drag i did air quotes there uh, <laughs> high masculine drag in air quotes or whether you see it as like a part of yourself or a personification of a part of yourself that is linked intrinsically to your sexuality and to the the, the men that you have sex with when you look at it from an academic perspective and the, the outcomes that you're trying to achieve there are parallels and it, it's drag mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Look, I agree with everyone. Real talk time. I'm going to ask a direct question. Why do you think kinksters do not want to be associated with the term drag or their kink to be seen as drag? Why do you think that is? Brett, you go. I think most likely because they don't fully understand what drag is. You might see on on the box, you'll see RuPaul's Drag Race or insert any other drag show out there because there are many. Um, and you see the big queens and they're and they're fishy and they're clack 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 tuck 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 whatever death drop end scene. Um, that's what they see as drag, and especially what we were talking about in the first half, discussing what we actually know to be drag, would hopefully reveal something to those out there who disagree with the statement fetish being drag because they are seeing highly polished, hyper-feminine queens where we know that it's more than that. We know it's people revealing a lot about themselves, standing powerful, standing tall, being controversial, being revolutionary, 
you know, um, going against conventions and stuff. But I don't think enough people in the fetish community would see that because they would just be watching Drag Race or Boulay Drag Brothers and stuff, which is all sensational television. I just don't want to watch it at the moment because it's forever. But they don't see, they probably don't appreciate, they don't appreciate the fine difference between what we see as drag and what the world sees as drag. But I think that's, but I think that's what I was trying to get out before that I think it's the, it's the fetish and actually the gay scenes real problem with femininity. And I think that's why they don't want that to be associated. I, I also think that there is a, there's a level of nuance in, in, fetish is such a large broad term for sure that there are parts there are significant portions i'd say of fetish and king that have absolutely nothing to do with drag and there is no correlation with drag whatsoever completely when you're talking about gear and persona and how you present in specific situations and the mindset that it gets you into that is drag at its very core. And I completely agree with Brett. Like drag has become synonymous with television shows and a very specific sort of aesthetic. And yeah, what the fetish community does in terms of gear has nothing to do with that type of drag. But at the core, and it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's we've lost as a community, as a queer community, we've lost what the essence of drag is because we're so, you like, blinded by the neon light that is RuPaul's Drag Race. For the, queens, <laughs> for the queens out there who remember the Black Cap in Camden, Mother Black Cap, like 10, 15 years ago, that was still, that's still what I believe to be drag. It's cabaret, it's, it's, it's introspective, it's commentary, it's, it's, it's subversive. But mm. yes, we've been mm-hmm. blinded by, blinded by the, sh- the show lights of Hollywood. I mean, drag has got many labels and I think we've seen, you know, especially out on the scene, so many facets of it. Um, you know, we were talking a while back. Can I, I'm going to talk about, um, you know, one of the things we talked about was like the ritual. I'm just going to go back to the point of like getting ready, mm. you know. And Sandy, you talked about getting dressed and being at home and having your music on <laughs> yeah, and going up and down to your, you know, up and down your catwalk. Da, 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 da. And I'm sure that especially rubber boys who polish, you spend so much time getting in yeah. and plucking and preening and polishing and shining. And this is all a part of the ritual that's getting you into the headspace. I get of- someone else to shine me. Yes! Yes! Pups? Shall we talk about pups? Yes, let's talk about pups. Please talk about pups. Yes, talk about about pups. Get her, Jade. Get her. No, I look. I, I I completely agree with you as well. Like, I do think there's a whole there's a there's a transformation element with both of these things. Can I ask the the group? Can you name maybe your Okay, so for both, whether you're into fetish or whether you do drag or if you do both, can you name your favorite part of your ritual in terms of getting ready, that transformation? And when, at what point does the transformation into your other persona, like, is it complete? Does that make sense? Mark. Favorite ritual 
And then at the, what at what point do you know that you say, because I've been around Mark when he's getting ready in drag and there's a moment where he goes, oh, I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's the transformation. So you go. If for me, it is the tightening of the corset. The moment that corset goes on and my body shape changes, I'm like, oh, there she is. <laughs> It's second to that is the heels because again it's changing my physical stature mm. and then finally the wig goes on and I'm a woman she's a woman and it's those three things specifically I can be in a full face of makeup and I can be fully dressed if the corset's not done up if the heels aren't on if the wig's not there I'm not in drag and I'm like it's it's that moment where I'm like there's there's the there's who I need to be there's mm. the power what is that to go what about, what about like, I know that you've had a few kind of like fetish experiences in terms of events, but like even in like private, is there a, is there a, is there a favorite ritual getting ready for something like in a fetish realm versus when you know that you're transforming or do you even really have that fetish persona? I don't have that fetish persona at the moment. Yeah. I think the, the blurring of the lines, if you look at the kinks that I'm into in terms of like, uh, domination and and power and uh, in some cases like fisting and, and kind of physical domination like the change into Sybil of going from six foot five to seven foot and like having this exaggerated shape which like a tiny waist only makes my legs and my shoulders look even bigger like it I have such a dominating physical appearance over it like that I can totally see, and it's so interesting hearing Brett be like, yeah, you go to events in heels and corsets and a jockstrap because like that to me is how I would feel most powerful in fetish mm. without the wig, without everything else, because the corset and the heels is what's making me change into that mindset of like, I'm now powerful and I can like, I can dominate and import, impart this like domination onto people. So yeah, like, like whether I would be like boy Cyril, boy Cyril, boy Sybil, Cyril, Cyril, Cyril Watt is my drag king name, <laughs> and your fetish name big is mole. boy Sybil. Exactly. Big mole, right there, right. big Sybil. huge, which constantly moves throughout the night. <laughs> Full. Brett, what about you? Favorite ritual, and um, when does the transformation? Is it when is it complete? I have never prepared for a fetish event group or otherwise. Usually, usually, usually one of the recon events. Um, we've never been here getting ready with at least 15, 20 people here. Oh, That's life. part of my ritual. Right. We get, TJ will bring some of his friends over. I'll bring some of my friends over. There'll be, there'll be bare bums and willies and shoes and dressing up and swapping clothes. And someone will have to quickly polish this or someone that, or there'd be like a snapping of the rubbers. You finally get it over your big butt, <laughs> snap, slap, slap, rubber zip. And it all kind of comes to a, well, it does. It's, it's done when we take our group picture and we leave the house. Cause, cause that's it. But for, for me, for me, it's a lot of the buildup. A lot of the getting ready is a lot of the fun because I love my friends and we all we're all very comfortable and have a great time. So it's oh oh my god I go oh my god I think my willy popped out. Will you help me put it back in? Yeah, sure, fine. <laughs> Whatever. And it's like just have a great time and then continue uh. our yeah, which is probably quite different to a lot of guys getting ready parties. But ours we definitely try to make them fun because because I'm part of this world because I want to be fun. I am fun. And so we try and keep it 
Keep yeah. it real. Keep it real, guys. That sounds like my getting ready ritual when I was in my early 20s. I'd have a bunch of friends come over and we'd all get ready to go to the club together this way, drinking and chatting and laughing and giggling. But now, I mean, she's an old bird and she lives on her own. Yeah, so like, I've got a totally different ritual now and I'm getting ready. Okay, yeah. so, t- so tell us, what, you know, what's your favorite ritual? I put some music on. It's always very interesting that, you know, before going to an event, even sometimes days before, people are like, what are you wearing? Girl, I don't know. I'll decide when it's time to get ready. You know, yeah. and maybe I'm fortunate enough to have options that I can just <laughs> open the cupboard and how, go. How is she though? How is she though? I'm going to wear this today. You know, and and I think for me that also comes with how I'm feeling at that time when I open the cupboard door. How I'm feeling will determine what it is I'm going to wear. Yeah. And I have my music on. So very often, I mean, most people see me out in rubber probably more than anything else. So, of course, my ritual is getting the towel down, getting the gear, getting the, uh, you know, the gun oil ready, figuring out what boots or shoes or sometimes my favorite trainers I'm going to wear with it. And the thing that I really enjoy is how this all comes together especially if i'm mismatching different things it's like Mm. yes i've kind of pulled that off and i look in the mirror and i think to myself "Mm, okay this could work and it's still kind of i'm not quite finished yet you know i think my finish comes and it's very interesting with the psychological aspect of this drag it's the coming out when i'm out and i walk into a space and then you see the look or you get this recognition from people and I can see other people who have also, majority, made a really good effort to get dressed and come out as well. <laughs> I love that. Majority. majority. And I also, wow. because I mean, good some effort. people don't make that much of an effort. Yes. Um, I mean, and it's not even about the amount of gear that you have on, but it's also because my mind then switches once again. I've had the first switch of mind when I'm ready and my mind switches again into an even more heightened state once I walk into that place where I'm dressed. And it's like, I'm on. Mother is here. Yeah. And this made me think about, you know, we talked about this before, about this aspect of, um, you know, like Brett, you coming to the recon party and people just literally partying and watching you in your heels. My first time going to IML in Chicago, 2006, was at the Palmer House Hilton. And I can tell you, this is where people also get this other idea of drag from. And listeners who have been to the Palmer House Hilton or IML at this hotel, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These divas would come (laughs) with, they would come laden down with suitcases. And, you know, the hotel in preparation moved all the furniture out of the lobby. And the lobby had two different levels, an an upper level and a lower level. And people would stand on the lower level and you would watch all day people on the upper level coming down the escalator in their latest regalia, whatever yes. it was they were wearing. And sometimes yes. people would applaud. So there is also this kind of... This, <laughs> I love that people would applaud. Like- oh, people would applaud. It was incredible. <laughs> I thought, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And next year when I come, my looks need to be ready. My suit, I need more than one suitcase. Yeah. I need to be prepared because of the gear aspect and how you feel and how you present yourself in that gear, you know, that lifting of the persona is so hugely important also to your experience when you're out. And I think this is also, if I'm thinking about, you know, um, Sybil, your initial definition of what is drag, 
this really correlates into taking you into that headspace when you're out. Mm. Whether you're taking a catwalk, you know, up and down an escalator, you're in whatever headspace that is that you're in. Mm. And you're in your, at that time, I'll say in air quotes, you're in your fetish drag and living your fucking best fetish life. You feel your best amazing self and you're on and people are loving you for it. And that makes you feel good about it. Yes. Another correlation between the fetish community and the drag community, pageants. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's a very Sash queens. Sash queens. Queen. Oh, queen. Pageantry of it all. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. You're being judged on your look and your persona and your personality and the work that you did. Like, it's exactly the two different communities that, like are being judged and have the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I always said that I wanted to like present um, Recon's fetish drag race or something like that. Cause that'd be so cute, right? <laughs> just so I, I could just, just, just so I could be like, <laughs> <laughs> Antoine, you could be a judge. <laughs> Listen, Antoine's Miss J. <laughs> She's teaching those bitches how to walk. Oh my god! Oh my god! Stop it! Oh. I can I can definitely teach a bitch how to move down a catwalk, and I um, and, and and I would also say because if I would say that my my drag, my fetish drag, is about my gear, and people who know me, it's either rubber or lycra, mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. absolutely. Totally 100% okay to admit for me that it does take me in this kind of mental drag light kind of state mm. when I'm dressed. Um, you see me out of like when I'll change, I mean, I'll change outfit three times during a party, you know? Calm. And I mean, it's it's about the look and the feel. It's about yeah. how you feel when you're done up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and will, I love that. I will say when we when we travel it's completely different. The feeling is different because people do go like prepared to have like several day look mm. and will go back to and be asking me like, oh, what are you wearing in the afternoon? I'm like, bitch, it's the same thing that you see me right in right now. Like I'm not changing. <laughs> you must be bad. But um, I will also, so I, I, for me, ritual wise, I think that my favorite part of getting ready it's not actually putting the gear on. It's laying it all out. <laughs> Beautiful. No, seriously, it is. That's the, that, that, that's my favorite part of the ritual. Like, and Anton, you mentioned me like having music. The funny thing is, if we travel, I don't have music on. And that's, I don't know why. I'm going to have to think about that why. But if I'm here in my house, there is always music on. And I'm laying everything out on my bed to kind of figure out, does it look right does it and then once i know what i'm wearing then i'm like okay put it on and the transformation like for me is complete when i zip up whatever i need to zip up or button myself into whatever i button into myself into and i look at myself in the mirror and i'm like yeah okay i'd fuck me absolutely (laughs) (laughs) has to be the quality has to be the grave but but that's kind of like where where it is for me like I I think that actually, no, when we travel, the reason maybe why I don't have music on is because I'm actually trying to figure out and concentrate and get out the door because I know that we've got to be there in like five Because you know so. I've got hose on a time scale. Yes, I know. I know that's someone coming to knock on my door being like, bitch, are you ready? But also I think part of my ritual is actually with you, Antoine, like asking you like, so what are we wearing tonight? Because sometimes, like, <laughs> sometimes we'll like be coordinated and be like, are we having us out Friday? Is it us out Friday? Oh, are we going to have our asses out today? <laughs> That's out today. Yeah. So, what yeah. was 
So what was on the pageantry thing? And on because you mentioned IML, what was the year that we went to IML and there was the one contestant who was in a corset oh, and heels and a cape, the lace cape, that the lace. Was Twenty. And it, it was two thousand and fifteen. 15, 15 or 16 no, I think 15 Yeah It was 15 It was definitely 2015 Because that was the year That was He made such a There was such a furore About the fact that He dare come out in that um, And then And he dare wear a heels And that he wears Something feminine On stage yes. People were absolutely Outraged yes. And Sandy I remember you and I The audience were like Yeah, yeah! I was we screaming, like, screaming, and and there was a whole discussion about it outside. And um, what's the hotel? The Hyatt? Is it the Hyatt? The um, they were they weren't at the Hyatt Regency no. then. They had moved down uh, on the Millennium Park. Yeah, on the Millennium. Time. But there was, I think I it was a Hilton. Yes, and I remember just having like that back in the day when I used to social smoke, but having a cigarette outside with someone, and they were just like really quite. I want to say disgusted by it. I was like, oh, that made me feel, and that made me feel really sad because that guy basically for the whole week got, you know, kind of side-eyed just for, you know. Being themselves. Being he'd done, themselves. He'd done something so brave and put himself in a position where he knew he was yeah. going to be judged mm-hmm. and criticized and still did it. And I that's, think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons like Brett, why Gilded Fetish is so great is because it's one of the things that drag has done and drag race specifically has done for the LGBTQ community as a whole has allowed people an outlet to tap into the femininity that we have within all of us. And part of what's come with that is an exploration of self mm-hmm. and an exploration of individuality. And I think that's why you see people looking for fetish gear now that speaks more to who they are and who it is that they are trying to present. But I, but I went on that same journey world. five years ago when I started Gilded Fetish. I was like, this is not me. I can, I can, I'd look good. Well, I think I'd look good, but I'd look good, but I'd much rather wear something. Can I wear some pink? Does anyone mind if I wear pink? How about gold? <laughs> like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, I'm going to put the two together. How about that? Yeah. Do pink and <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think I, and, and Mark, I agree with you, actually. That's kind of the journey that I've been on the whole entire time that I've been at Recon. Like, you know, I started off just wearing like Lycra um, singlets and then moved into, oh, let me try and pretend and then be an imposter in this leather stuff. And it didn't really fit well until I started like making my own stuff or like mixing and matching pieces and trying to figure out, well, I have not to blow my own horn, but I have really great personal style. So why can't I transfer this into this domain? And actually I feel like I was only empowered to do that because I suppose of my position within the scene. Like if I didn't have recon's backing, I don't know if whether I would have found my aesthetic or my look as quickly as I did and feel so comfortable kind of expressing myself through gear in the way that I do or that I have done. Honestly, I don't know whether I would have. It would probably would have taken me a longer time. Mm-hmm. She did crowns first, just to, just, to <laughs> so that, just so that it's on the record, just so it's on the pod. Just so that it's known, let it be known that she wore a crown and that's when the crown She wore a crown first. <laughs> Thank you, you, thank you. You got, you're, you're making me think so much about how my gearing up makes me feel. And I'm, I'm really trying to dissect it in my mind about where this maybe all started for me. And um, Mark and Brett is really, it's kind of really funny. It's this feeling of empowerment. And you mentioned before, like, you know, like being the, you know, the, the power bitch. 
I remember my first time breaking into my granny's closet and getting on her heels. And my granny was a woman that always wore hats. And she had the most fabulous hats. I don't know where she got them from, but she had the most fabulous hats. But what I recall was looking at how much I understood how her power changed when she was dressed in a certain way and when she was in her heels and she was in her hats. My granny's magic was her heels and her hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I saw her and I thought, and what's interesting is I didn't even look at my granddad and thought, I want to feel like how he feels. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to feel how my granny feels. She yeah. feels like power bitch from hell when she's in her heels and she's got her hats on. And that's what I wanted. And I think that for me was the first beginning of dressing up to feel the, the mood, the identity, the personality, the character change, you know, and not necessarily that I wanted to be a woman. I didn't want to be a woman. What I wanted was to feel that power that comes from dressing up. And I got it through being a performer for so many different years. I mean, you're in a show and every time you change costumes, your personality, your character changes. And it's all about how you bring that character to the stage. And, you know, this is for me also where the theatricality comes. But when I got into fetish, I kind of had to find that same way of loving my gear, of what I was going to do with it, because I didn't want my gear to just be a costume. You know, Mm. people say, oh, it's a lovely costume. And I'm really quick to correct. This is not a costume. This isn't a costume. This is my gear. My fetish drag is a part of my identity. This is a part of my my skin now. This is a part of who I am. This is a part of my my personality. So I can really get it. You know, we talked about the ritual of getting ready. And when you get to that point of how you're feeling, like when, when does your empowerment point come? And I can imagine, you know, we talked about two groups of people specifically, like the pups and the bluff guys. And for the pups, I would imagine it's when they get the pup hood on. Yeah. And that's the end. And they're like, right, I am now, you know, Pup Pluto or whoever the hell I am. Mm -hmm. And the same for the bluff guy. He's ready. He pulls his gloves on and he puts his mirror cap on and he's done. He is daddy is at home and daddy is ready. Where is daddy's boy? Where is daddy's Mm -hmm. cigar? Bring it to me. me I'm getting moist just talking about it. I'm (laughs) sitting off my seat. (laughs) But, you know, but this is, I think, where that transformation comes for a lot of people. So I can also understand that the visual perception that we have with what historically we perceive to be drag, it has changed so much now. And I can understand why kinksters get angry when, you know, it might be like, uh, they're really quick to disagree when you say drag, but it's also now shifting and getting to understand there's also a definite psychological and a personality aspect to this as well. Yeah. There's a fantastic line in Tu Wong Fu, not to go back to my favorite movie. Of all time, <laughs> but there's a fantastic line by Miss by, by, Mus- by Miss Nogazima Jackson, where uh, Chi Chi makes uh, a joke and she goes, this isn't a masquerade. This is real life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and stood there in full drag. Just like, this isn't a masquerade. This is real life. We're living. Like, we're doing this. And it's Cut it's, to a bluff guy going, this is a masquerade. Right? This is real life. This is real life. <laughs> yeah. one of the, it's so interesting that you say that about your first experience because one of the first uh, fetish-based kind of sexual experiences I had was with uh, a guy who was really, really into leather. Um, and he's one of these people that would always wear, he never left the house without wearing some piece of leather, be it a belt, a cuff, whatever. And we were talking about it. I was like, what is it about leather that you you like? And he was like, he remembers so distinctly being in a pub when he was a kid with his family 
And a guy came in and hung up his leather jacket on the coat rack next to where this kid was sat. And he remembers so distinctly the smell and like who, the, who this guy was and the persona that this guy was perceiving. And he attributed that smell of leather and the feel and texture of leather with who this guy was presenting to be. And that has just carried through his entire life. And now when he gets dressed in drag, it, it still harks back to that. And he was wearing leather trousers. We went back to my house. We had sex. He put me in his leather trousers. I'm a 34 waist. He was a 28 waist. Needless to say, I couldn't get them over my knees, but it was still hot. <laughs> I was there like trying to squeeze them mid thigh. And I'm just lying there on my back, but my bed getting a blowjob. But for him, like, because I was even like ridiculously squeezed into these like far too small leather trousers. It was such a turn on for him. And I was just like, cool, I can go on board with this. And even that, just putting on ill-fitting leather trousers. I was like, I'm into this. I've got, <laughs> I've got a pair of leather chaps that I, is my favorite thing to wear in leather, to wear in drag. My favorite thing is my like vintage heavy leather, proper biker chaps. And yeah. like with a, with a jock and a corset and I, Hot. It's hot. You, oh. can't, you can't tell her nothing. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I feel like we have really gone through it today. I am laughing and sweating my balls off just talking about this topic. That's drag. That's drag. That's drag. A uh, girl that's wearing a cat suit for five hours. But look, I think that we're all going to say... We're singing off the same hymn sheet. We're all going to say a similar thing. So the final question is, is fetish drag? Uh, Antoine, you go first. <sighs> ah, I thought you were just going to be like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm going to say, yes, it is. You know, I'm thinking back to the time when I first joined Recon. I had no idea what it was. Before it was recon.com and we had all these other little sites and all these other little bits. We actually had one of our umbrella sites was dragbitch.com. Mm. So from this aspect, this, that side of dressing up in another personality, I guess from a more feminine aspect was already included. So I think we can't separate it out. Mm. You know, I would definitely say, yes, it is. Brett, what about you? I would say when you separate sex from drag the answer is emphatically yes oh. when you stand up there in your high leather you are presenting you're showing the best of yourself you're showing everything you want to be to be admired to be looked at to be adored and the two go hand in hand lovely that was a that was a good answer and soundbite <laughs> right yeah <laughs> <laughs> this will be used in the promos um, um and sybil this bitch took it, the words straight out of my mouth. Like, I literally was just like, if you separate the sexual side of fetish and kink from the persona and dress-up side of kink, the persona and dress-up side of fetish and kink is 100% drag. Yeah. And as someone who plays on both sides of those spectrum, bringing, it's, it shouldn't have be, if it wasn't, it shouldn't be as easy as it is for me to bring together fetish and drag into my aesthetic if they weren't already the same thing. Fact. Yeah. So no. I think what we can probably, you know, uh, I don't think people should come away thinking like, 
you know, the only definition of drag is a wig, a dress and a heels yes. and lip syncing for your life and doing a death drop. <laughs> you know, there are so many elements, there are so many layers and so many other facets um, that we all fall into. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think I, it's just a part of the growing and the exploring and the discovering. And, you know, I love that the more we tackle these types of topics, um, the more it makes me think about who I am and, you know, how I fit into the space. I think it's always something that makes people really wary, especially when you're out. I think in a lot of our podcasts, we've talked about the thing of fitting in and how people feel when they're in these particular spaces. So your gear is a huge determining factor of how you're going to feel when you're in that space. So, and, just and to the bluff daddies it. listening, to the bluff daddies listening, don't worry, you're not a drag queen now. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Or are you, you? You're a queen who's doing drag, <laughs> but you're not a drag queen. Leather queen. Unless queens. you want to be leather queens, embrace it. That's so cute. I feel like fetish has so many elements. I mean, so one of the things that has really stuck out to me is in the eight years, like really realizing these characters on the scene, like the people that I see all the time around the world that kind of like do the trek with us in terms of going to the different events and- The yeah, rabbit. So, <laughs> oh, the bunny. Oh, the bunny. The bunny. the bunny is high fetish drag and <laughs> I will not have anyone say anything else. Fetish, yeah. farm, fetish farm drag. She's fetish high fetish campery. Right, yeah. She's fetish campery at its best. But it's like such the, you know, meeting all the characters and getting to know them and, you know, being involved in such, um, so much of like the social scene when it comes to the kink community. It, for me, I love the light and campy fun aspects of the scene. And ultimately I'm going to say, yes, fetish is drag. Um, I just think that the term and language around drag and camp has changed. So it's not what we have this perception of it to be, you know, like Antoine said, it's not wigs. It's not just wigs, heels and, you know, tongue popping. It's a whole load of things. Um, and yeah, I think that we should just embrace it because it's just about what one thing that everyone has said, it's about expression. It's about adopting a persona that's already within you. And I think that that's essentially yeah. what we're trying to say here. Embrace so your inner drag. Right? Just embrace it. Just get on it. with it. Just get on with it. Uh, guys. Now, this is that walk. We're all born <laughs> naked and the rest is fetish. <laughs> rest is leather. <laughs> guys, that was, that was the last podcast that I'm ever going to be on. Oh, Sandy. But I know. Uh, you never know. Oh, oh yeah, invite me never as a guest. Never say never again. Never say never again. Yeah, I, we can always get you back as a guest. Get me back as a guest. Yeah, for sure. I'll come back and laugh down a mic. Because <laughs> that's all I do. <laughs> um, I want to say, first of all, thank you, Sybil. And thank you, Brett, for joining us um, for this wonderful conversation. You both were amazing. Um, Sybil, where can the people find you? Give details. The people can find me on Instagram under the Sybil War. And that's the only platform I'm on because everything else sucks. Apart from Recon, uh, I will be starting a Recon profile soon. So uh, check this space. Maybe I'll be the Civil War on uh, on Recon as well. And message me. I'll make sure you get it. 
Done. <laughs> Can you imagine if you have to get the Civil War three? <laughs> Eighty-one. Uh, And Brett, where can the people find you and your goods and services? We are on all popular platforms, that being Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at quite simply Gilded Fetish. That's G-I-L-D-E-D, which means covered in gold, not as if you're part of some workers' union. Gilded (laughs) Fetish. Thank you for making that so abundantly clear. I bought the other ones as well, just so it'll come back to me. But they're like, I've typed in your web address. Because you are. Are you a part of the fetish guild? (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. He is. (laughs) Oh dear. The creator. Oh dear. Head bitch in charge. Oh my god. Bitch in charge. Guys, it's been really lovely. I've actually got a headache. I've actually got a headache from laughing so much. Thank you for making my last episode so, so enjoyable. Um, I want to say thank you to Antoine for everything that you've done for me over the past eight years. Put up with my bullshit, but also- I'll be coming around to collect. (laughs) (laughs) You can can come and get this check, girl. (laughs) Um, We're going to miss you. Oh, I'm gonna miss. Well, I'm gonna miss you guys soon. We know we're going bike riding anyway, so that's yeah. Fine. We have to go for a bike ride. We're going bike riding. It's fine. Um, but lastly, I want to thank everyone that's listened to the podcast. I want to thank all the members. I want to thank everyone that took part in the podcast this year. And yeah, what a year! But I shall see you all later. I'm gonna be out and about on the scene. You're not gonna get rid of me that quickly, because Anton, I'm gonna be tapping you up for recon tickets. I'm gonna be one of those bitches now. <laughs> Get in line. Get in line. Can, can I get a VIP ticket? Can I get a VIP no. ticket to full fetish, please? No. Who are you? I know, right? Are you, I used to be someone. Um, <laughs> guys, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, um, feedback for the podcast, um, or ideas for season two, please, please email podcast at recon.com. That's podcast at recon.com. Until then, bye bye. It's my last Bye. one. Bye. 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 B